the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. I'm Chris Heine. And I'm Francesca Butchko. And this week we're going to talk about what gets us in the mood. So before you get the wrong idea about what this is supposed to be like, <laughs> we are thinking about the Halloween spirit. We're thinking about the mood that you try and get in before you do a big project. We're thinking about moods that you try and psych yourself up uh, before you go to a certain place or a certain restaurant or a certain gathering. Um, plenty of other things besides the one that is a little on the sexy side. So before we start that, we'll tell you what's going on right now. Um, speaking of getting in kind of the Halloween spirit, uh, we have a couple, what, a week left? For a couple weeks, weeks left? left. Okay. Yep. Uh, for what? For the Skater Die exhibition, which is currently on display. Um, so there are 60 artists that participate in the show. And each one of them created a macabre-inspired design or illustration that is gracing the surface of a of a skate deck, which is really exciting. So the entire show features all sorts of different creepy and sort of like beautifully grotesque images that are really exciting. So we've been in the Halloween spirit for a little while here, and looking at all the boards definitely like puts you over the edge. So if you haven't seen it yet, you should definitely stop by. Um, and of course, if you're not around Minneapolis, Twin Cities area, you can see them all online. So picture this. It is a cold, windy, blustery night. And we're all sitting around trying to avoid all the children that are coming to our door on Halloween evening, except for Jenny. Spooky. I'm not either. Oh, okay. Except for Jenny and Francesca. <laughs> so it's just you. Wait, so you guys I am only Francesca's not because children don't come to her door. Well, I'm just hiding in the corner. Francesca is taking care of children, and Jenny is also well, I'm, taking care of children. I live in an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have to hide from children. No. Okay, well, let me, let me reset this picture then. Okay, so no one's hiding except for me. <laughs> And outside, you hear the the whistling winds blowing past all of the trash in the alley. You see a uh, crusty chip bag scraping its way across the floor. This is how I get in the mood for Halloween. Hiding and listening to chip bags and trash (laughs) in the alley. (laughs) Anyway, some of us in this room, I think, have a little bit more of a... uh, I guess, an artistic approach to getting in the mood for different types of things. Um, Right now, I think we're all probably starting to get a little bit, I don't know, a little bit sad because winter's coming. Mm -hmm. Looking around, I know some people are a little sad. I hate it. I'm not sad. And some of us are are getting ready um, just to kind of wear all of our sweaters, which might be just me. I don't know. Maybe that's not just me. Um, but I've seen over the last couple weeks, uh, some of us bringing out all of the games that have to do with zombies or killers, or, uh, I've been watching Weirder What, which is also a paranormal, uh, thing with my, my good old buddy, what's his name? William Shatner. William Shatner. And so (laughs) I've been getting into the mood for this type of season. Um, and then Francesca's been drinking cider. Mm Mm-hmm. And eating apples. I see one next to you right now. They're in season. And Jenny... It's the only fruit that's in season now. Jenny's freaking herself out about a grave that's in her backyard. Yep. I'm also... (laughs) I've been decorating. Oh, okay. So no graves. Well, a grave too. Okay. That's a part of the decoration. (laughs) But I think our minds... Just work with it. Yeah. Constantly go to these places, you know. And of course, it has to do also with all the, the Halloween candy and the giant pumpkin pies and all the other stuff. So... As we're getting ready for this, um, I'll start with Chris. 
You've been playing a game recently that I think is probably one of the creepiest games I've seen in a while. Well, normally for Halloween, I usually like to play horror-themed games, and a lot of times before it was like one of the previous Resident Evil games, which aren't really that scary, but they're as close as you can kind of get. The Evil Within came out, which is made by the person who made Resident Evil 4 and the first Resident Evil. And it is similar in a kind of like cheesy, predictable horror way, but I really appreciate that aesthetic. So I've been playing that and I and I had a few games to choose from and I chose that one specifically because it was October. So paint us a picture. So there's rivers of blood. There are multiple armed spider people. Yeah. There are, there are crazy mutilated zombie-esque people with chainsaws. It's very gory for the extra gore sake when you shoot people, <laughs> their heads like split open and they don't stop coming. There are a lot of zombies and weird monsters. And There's a long animated scene where if, if somebody catches up to you, they, they hack you apart for like 45 minutes uh, <laughs> Sometimes for the yeah. death screen. Yep. It, it was kind of actually scary at the beginning. Uh, it's one of those things, though, where you, the longer you're immersed in something, the less scary it becomes. So at this point, I'm just like running around and I'm not scared of anything anymore. But at the beginning, it was it, it did a pretty. You were good pretty job. jumpy. It did a pretty good job. Of, I mean, you feel really weak at the beginning, and I think that's key in horror is to feel underpowered and weak. And I think games that keep you that way do a better job of building horror. And I think that's why successful horror games are usually like short. Short. Amnesia, which is a very scary game, and you do feel very weak, but it just goes on so long that eventually you're just. You kind of like, it's like going to a haunted house and maybe you're scared for the first few minutes, like a fake haunted house, not a real haunted house. Not a real house. Not Jenny's house, house, but. Yeah, Jenny's house. (laughs) Um, But you feel scared for the first few minutes, but once you can kind of like see the strings that are holding up this bat or something and you see that the makeup on this person is like pretty hand done cheesy makeup or whatever, then you kind of, you can see the seams and stuff and then it becomes less scary. So the faster... And the darker it is, the more scary it is. Mm. But there was recently that game PT. I was going to say. That I think did a really good job. It's actually like a promotion for the new Silent Hill. And it's directed by Hideo Kojima, who's the guy who did Metal Gear Solid and other things. And also the guy that did Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. It was a collaboration with... Uh, Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. So it's this game. It was basically this little promo game. It's very short, and I don't. It's I, easily spoiled, but it's terrifying. Yeah, it's probably more successful because really the experience is really short. Yeah. So Jenny, is that the reason why all of a sudden you're freaked out about your weird grave in your backyard because you just found it like two days ago? May maybe it is. So our backyard is like a weird a weird long strip um and the back we never really went to because there's all these like windy twisty tree bits and so it's hard to get to but now that we have a dog the other day we were in the back and I was just home by myself and I was watching our dog go to the bathroom because I was waiting for her to go back inside and I like was looking at her and then all of a sudden my eyes like focused to the space right behind her and there is a six foot by two foot small like just dirt grave mound and it's really scary and it looks exactly like what you would imagine somebody would bury a person in it's really scary so what did you do you stood on the porch Uh, and you stared at it and you well we don't have a porch oh you stood stood on on the the grass (laughs) i stood on the grass and i looked at it and 
I was like, man, this is such a weird thing. I don't know how I have never noticed this before. But there is, um, so our neighbor has, like, a giant retaining wall. And then there's some, like, moss and stuff and big branches that are coming over. So most of the time it would be covered. And it's right by our back gate. And so you can't really see it unless you are standing right next to it. And so I was like, man, this is horrifying. Also, I just noticed this. It's probably been here. I mean, it's obviously been here for a long time. And now that I know it's here, I can't stop thinking about it. And there's probably a body back here. So what did you do? Did you wait until people got home and then said, go go dig yeah, this up? Yeah, I tried to tell. It? No, nobody's dug it up yet. I don't know what to do about it. I told Pat and I told some of our roommates and... Um, I think what I'm going to do is tomorrow clean our backyard so I can see it better now that all the leaves have fallen on top of it and I'm going to call the police. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what else to do. It's scary. It's really scary. I think I told you guys maybe, um, like 10 years or so ago, my grandma moved into her house and they were cleaning out the attic and found a machete buried in like the stuffing of the attic. Yeah, that's horrible. Yes. And she was like, there's this red stuff on it. And she took it to the police and they're like, it's probably rust. And she's like, nobody buries a machete in their like ceiling stuffing with red stuff on it. Yeah. If it's just a rusting knife. What'd she do with it? Uh, She still has it. So I don't know what she's doing with it. But when you find something like that, it completely changes your house. You're like, what happened here? Oh, no, it totally does. When we lived, there's a a street corner down here that's got a... um, uh, a famous or an infamous gas station where if you pull up, people will hug you or get in your car or, you know, like just kind of generally harass you, you know? Yeah. And right across <laughs> from it, there was a... <laughs> hug you. Yeah. yeah, hug you and you're like, wait, what's happening? And then across... Well, hug you and then try and get in your car. Yeah, both of those. So in in succession, it gets a little weird. But then across from there is a big house that has kind of a big front yard that now has a uh, fence all the way around it. But years ago, when we used to live there, um, we also had a, a dog. And this is a funny thing. I think you find things when you have to be in certain corners of your yard or, yeah. you know, and it was a house we rented. Uh, we had the bottom floor and it's a pretty sketchy neighborhood. And we walked out and underneath like a big tree there was a liquor bottle and i was like ah somebody put their trash here and i'm gonna pick it up so i picked up the liquor bottle and underneath it was a giant serrated knife and so you find things like this and you're like why is this in my yard yes also what the heck you know and so you got to imagine somebody's just carrying this thing around for whatever reason and then has to stash it somewhere yeah and stuff like that i think unnerves you because you're like this is my yard this is like very close to me and like right. you know like what well, is this there's an artist that we work with frequently that lived in a house just down the block that there's a murder that happened in the apartment building and mm-hmm. then they lived there mm-hmm. for like two years i don't know how they did that like even the potential of a body in our backyard is enough that makes me want to move <laughs> because yeah. i don't know what happened well here's a here's a positive story about some of this kind of stuff so my parents bought a piece of land on the Mississippi that is on a bluff that's probably about 300 feet, 250 feet or something like that above the Mississippi. So you you can kind of walk out to the very edge of it and look down and it's just this great view, especially in autumn, like times like this. And you look down to your, your left and your right and you can see all the way down the river both ways because it's on kind of a peak. And when they bought it... Um, 
there are zones around the Mississippi that have very special, it's very special zoning for uh, burial mounds or kind of like sacred ground and things like that. So there is actually like a section of that piece of property that um, you're not allowed to build on top of. You can't dig into. You can't put anything over it, like nothing between that and the sky. And there's a very interesting kind of like, you know, situation around that piece of land. And it's really interesting because it's it's not not just because there's stuff in there because you don't know what it is because it could mm-hmm. be, you know, pottery shards or stuff or it could be people. Right. Nobody knows what's right. in there. Um, but at the same time, the all of the lore and kind of the concept of having something like that on your land is really kind of crazy. Like mm-hmm. it's kind did of... Did they know it was there when they bought the piece of land? They did. And so I think around that area, there are tons of like ancient sites and, you know, all these places. And there's no question of why it's there because it's one of the most beautiful pieces of like a lookout you know across this land so i would imagine anybody that's trying to find a really beautiful place to have a you know have a moment probably would have picked something like that but um i used to have these dreams when i was a kid uh of and this is in a very different part of wisconsin where i grew up used to have these dreams as a kid where I would be having this reoccurring dream of a spirit coming out of the basement of our house and not necessarily terrorizing us, but sort of being present and very like eerie. And Mm -hmm. I'd have it again and again and again. And it was always because of having someone buried somewhere in the, in the vicinity or having, you know, something have happened there a long time ago. Um, That William Shatner show that I'm watching Mm -hmm. right now. Yep. Had a had a guy who had a similar real life experience where he walked onto a battlefield and all of a sudden had this moment of like, I must be reincarnated from someone who's died here and had this kind of crazy thing. Of course, William Shatner's ridiculous. And so he made light of it and had a bunch of like weird fake Halloween masks like hanging around his, his place. He is a silly man. <laughs> <laughs> but but some of those things are really kind of crazy. But it's it's also sort of exotic to think that you can you can keep something pristine like that for such a long time, mm-hmm. um, but I'm sure it's plenty of nightmare fodder for pl- you know plenty of people. So so what's that like? Just sitting there in your house, being like, I don't know what this is. Well, does it, it make I going to bed a little harder? Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't <laughs> stop thinking about it. I keep wondering like what's happening or if it truly is a grave back there. Then yeah. like. Then what? I don't know. I need to call the police because somebody's whoever is back there, and that's really sad. Also, also, I keep wondering, like, if, say, the people who used to live there did this. I'm just going to, like, put it out there. <laughs> then, like, our basement was newly remodeled, and so that makes me, like, question what happened or why they built this other room down there or other things like that. And so I just keep thinking about like all the possibilities. So what happens if you guys go out there and you call the police and they dig it up and it's a compost pile? Then that's fine. And I'll continue <laughs> I have a feeling I have a feeling it's more likely that it's not a body, but probably not. <laughs> but it's still super creepy. Still super creepy. I feel like if you were going to hide a body, you would probably do a better job of making it look like not a stereotypical grave. Probably, but it is hard to spot. It is like in a spot that you would probably put a grave. I mean, you've lived there for like a year and you... And yeah, no, and I didn't notice it at all. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So... So how about you, Francesca? 
I don't have any bodies in my apartment. That's good. That's I live good. in the middle of the city. Ca- cat bodies, but they just are leaving. Living, alive, breathing though, yeah. cat bodies. Yeah. They're so terrible. Terrible cats. And so, so I mean, it, do you do you watch scary movies or like play scary games? I hate games scary or? movies. I watch scary games when um, when I have a friend that likes to play scary games. Okay, so watching scary games. How yeah. about books? I actually recently listened to Dracula again. Yeah. This is the second time I've listened to Dracula. And I also read a bunch of Dracula short stories for a project that I was working on. Oh, yeah. Can you talk about that project? Yeah. It was for um, Illo Zine, which is put together. It's a zine put together by James O'Brien. And it is just a collection of illustrators usually sharing what's in their sketchbook. And so for the 10th edition, he did something special and gave everybody a piece of the story, Dracula's Guest. And then we just illustrated that piece and he sent us and all this is in the public domain so he's like here you go read the short story and you know find what you want to do and for some reason i the first thing i did was i before i even like properly read the email was i was like oh dracula so i went and like found dracula and i was like reading that and then i looked at the email again because i was like man this is gonna take forever to illustrate this whole thing and the the email was like the short story and then there was a link and i was like okay so i went to the link and started reading and I kept reading, and it, it was actually a compilation of uh, Bram Stoker's stories, so I ended up reading way more than was necessary, but I ended up getting into it, so, so they're, they're really good. Did you get in good. the mood for it, then? Yeah, no, they're really good. I that kind, For some reason, I like that kind of horror, I think. It's it's classic horror. It's creepy, but like I think the tropes have been so... And maybe this is how other people deal with horror. Like You get desensitized enough to enjoy something. Because I don't like being scared. So I was like, well, yeah, I, I get these tropes. This is, you know, effectively creepy, but I'm not going to like lose sleep over these. So so that's what I did. And, and so do you, do you normally do that then? Like just in general, if it, would you go back and read as much as you can about, you know, like I know this is particularly... I like classic literature. So I like any of the books that we read in school... I might have read them twice because I read it in school and I was like, I think I like this, but as also, fuel for a project or, or well, just, also reading in just reading it. Oh. Cause I like, I like that kind of stuff. And it was kind of, it was timely because I'm like, Oh, it's October. I might as well read Bram Stoker. So it's good. It's good. I recommend it. I think even if you, if you like creepy stuff or if you like classic literature, you will appreciate how good they are. Well, I think Dracula's that- hilarious, by the way, he is a ridiculous character. I really should read that. And I, I know we talked about this last podcast where I just did not read any of the books that anybody ever told me to in high school. So I'm missing a whole <laughs> chunk of classic literature. But um, it, like if I'm doing a project, I think that makes a big difference if you're in the mood to do something that is related to whatever you're drawing completely. Like I know when I'm drawing all my botanicals, I'll put on mystical music mm-hmm. and, you know, or some sort of flute situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a, a zen moment while I'm like, oh, yes, okay. And I totally think it makes a big difference with, like, the colors that I pick or, like, you know, how I'm drawing, things like that. So did you ever – oh, Chris, I know you you do this a lot. You put on the serious jams when you're getting ready to do a big project, don't you? Uh, yeah, and it depends on the project I'm doing, too. I think um, if I'm doing a piece of personal art, then I put on the jams, but if I'm doing work – it is hard for me to listen to the jams. Like, so what's work, your work. choice or your preference for, for how you how you set that thing up? How like, I set up my music? Yeah, like personal projects versus client projects. I don't or... know what it is about client projects, but for some reason, maybe because it is 
um, less punk, I don't know, <laughs> to do uh, client projects. I, I just don't, whenever I'm listening to like music that I really like, um, it just doesn't feel right. You don't want to associate it with a. Yeah, maybe I, that project. might be the thing is I like don't want to associate LP and Killer Mike with designing Christmas ornaments, you know? So, yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, so I, um, I just can't do it. But it's just a weird mental thing. And I know it's really strange because other people like have to be listening to music when they work on. Well, you like, do listen to podcasts, though. Yeah, no, I do. And I listen to podcasts and I listen to things like that. But for some reason, yeah, when I listen to my own music, a lot of times it just feels wrong. And it depends on the project, too. I think that makes a lot of sense. I have different zones where I have to be. Like if if I really need to get something done, I go in a certain kind of area. Or if I, you know, want to feel in a certain mood, I'll do, you know, I'll, I'll sit somewhere and I'll make the lighting really perfect, you know, or whatever. Um but it's weird to think that that makes that big of a difference, especially when you're trying to switch zones. I think I told you guys this a long time ago. I'll use Chrome, like the browser, mm-hmm. for work work, like client work. Mm-hmm. And I'll use Safari when I'm just floating around. Yeah, I do that. And it doesn't make, like, it. I don't know why it makes a big difference, but it makes a big difference to just, like, get my head out of a space or into a space. I do that, too. I have a email I mean, this is not a mood thing. I use Chrome. Yeah, no, I use I just... Chrome pretty much all the time. Mine is Chrome. All the light gray and paper bicycle stuff is Safari. Sorry. And then all of Lindsay's personal stuff. For whatever reason. For Chris whatever reason all my is stuff. Um, Firefox. Oh, Firefox. How's Firefox doing these days? Uh, it's no one knows. fine. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's rare. That's like the one I use the least because it's rare that I have to do that. But sometimes Lindsay's just like, I'll be like, what does the client want? And she's like, like, I don't know. Look at my email. Look at my email. Okay, well, no, I have to go find that. Yeah, so three I have to go dig through this humongous heap of I should just take a screenshot of how many unread messages I have in my inbox. Do you have your phone? Does it sync? How many? What's your red number? Well, here, I'm sure everybody really cares about this, but I'll tell you anyway because it's, it's... I think people do I care about that little red unread me- email number. Right, some people go. have to clear it to zero. Okay, I do I not. Have I have 66 I unread text messages. <laughs> okay. That's not very nice. I have 46 unanswered phone calls. <laughs> and I have 20,000. Oh, and it just buzzed. 751 emails 20,000 20, I'm going to take I'm going to take a photo of this so you can put this on I the thought podcast. I was bad I have 1,401 unread emails I have 20,000 how, how do you do, do that, that? I, I think I have 60 and I can't get it I to go down. open all of them <laughs> I mean I'm not like the I'm not perfect like I go for maybe a couple of days where you like like I mean, maybe I just don't get that much email I use the spam filters yeah I immediately if I see a piece of spam I mark it and get rid I do of the it. same thing. None yeah, of these no, are spam. Yeah, no, I do the same thing too. I think I use uh, I use unread. Like I actually read things and then mark it as unread. Mark it so as unread. Oh yeah, I don't do that. Yeah. I don't because then I don't forget about it. I do it. that. I know you can flag it, but I feel like flagging it does not help me go back. Oh, I use I use flagging. I do not like marking things as unread. I don't know. It does not. I do it be I because all the time I'm like working on one client and then all of a sudden I'll get an email and I'll look at it and I'll read it and I'll be like okay well I need to address this but I can't address this so That's after I, I finish do. this so then I mark it on red so I remember to go back and because my I mean Lindsay's email is a hundred times worse than mine obviously but I get email <laughs> so fast that I can't keep up 
Yeah. Yeah. And that, I never, that does happen to I me. I never had that problem well, like a really few years ago. To, but it's really hard to I don't like it. I also really liked then this is a problem. I like to delete all the trash. I do not like having my my philosophy on life in general is delete all not, the trash. You, Francesca yeah, takes if, it to a silly degree though because I she d- deletes emails that she otherwise probably should keep. Right, I do. Because sometimes I'll be like, "Well, I, you know, you had that in the email, just go find it." And she's like, "Well, I deleted all the my email." <laughs> and I'm like, "Why do you delete all the important email? You don't have a I should probably limit. shouldn't delete it. I should probably put it somewhere and just cuz I I feel like if I'm not if this isn't something that's important to me like within the next 3 days, it's not important. That's how I that's how I classify it. What happened? Is not okay. yeah. a good okay. idea. Anyway, that was a weird tangent. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I don't know how we got on that, but I, I feel like it was I feel like it was important at the moment. <laughs> anyway, getting back into the, the mood of things. Um so w- sometimes we have a hectic uh situation here at Light Gray, and I know we have plenty of projects that we have sort of on the they're not on the back burner, they're sort of in a master list of just random things. And I th- I know there's specific times when uh, for whatever reason, I'm just like super excited about talking about possibilities and new shows and things like that. And there's other times where I can't even be bothered by it because it's stress inducing, you know. Um, one of the things that I think I need when I'm trying to brainstorm new stuff is sort of a period of like at least an hour's worth of nothing before then. Do you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Like I, I just can't do anything and I'm like, oh, look, things are nice and normal. Now we can talk about new projects instead of yeah. going from one like stress thing to another thing that's yeah. like well, kind of we intense. Yeah, we were talking about this a while ago, like, and that's the whole point of like putting something in a list format so it's not in your brain. And a lot of the time, when we are like the past, actually, well, this entire year, but since we got back from Iceland specifically, it has been like a marathon where we're just running at like full speed, and so. It is impossible to even, like, allow one piece of your brain to go somewhere else to try and, like, fit something else in. Because it's just, like, it's too stressful to even, like, try to put yourself in that mood. And so I agree. When I'm brainstorming, usually if it's if it's by myself, I want, like, the house to myself. And I want to be able to, like, sit down and have, like, a decent amount of like time. Clarity. To, like clarity. Yeah. I yeah. want to have a decent amount of time to, like sit down and do some writing and thinking and not have like a time crunch yeah um if it's here then yeah we need to like get out of the mood a lot of the time we'll go to spy house or we go to a coffee shop just a different environment yeah a different environment get some coffee sit down and like talk through things one by one that makes a big difference for me i was gonna say too that's a big it's i shouldn't call it a problem it's just a big issue i think too for a lot of people that are on massive creative deadlines to try and figure out how to get in the right mood to do the thing that you're that you have to do at that moment Mm -hmm. um friday here's an example of my friday uh that just passed i had a meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning and then somehow because i've had a stressful week of just lots and lots of meetings i somehow missed my meeting at 12 30 that i had with a client Freaked out, called him at one o'clock, and then had to sit down and have a big conversation with Jenny, and then had another meeting at three thirty, another meeting at four thirty, and then had to be somewhere at six thirty or seven o'clock or whatever. And it's well, hard. Six thirty, but we were we were late, an hour late. <laughs> so it's so it's no, like it wasn't at least. It's it hard to switch back and forth between things, but you've got it scheduled on your calendar. You're like, now is the time to do this action. I better feel like I'm into it. And man, mm-hmm. it was really hard. 
okay, so at seven o'clock we played D and D. Right? That was your This is the stressful life. Yeah. That's the thing I had to go to. <laughs> yeah. It's seven o'clock was the last thing, but you know what? It was really hard to get in the mood after a long day of stressful meetings. Yeah. It was for whatever reason so difficult to pull my brain back into fun zone, even though I was like, now it's fun time and I'm like, I do not feel fun. I feel anti fun. Mm-hmm. But like how do you know like if I talk to some of my students I know that sometimes they're one of the big things that they say they're like I don't I just I am having a really hard time like getting in the zone here and and so it's hard and I you know of course try and offer advice but how do you guys switch from from one thing to another especially on a busy day I mean I know a lot most people do the same thing where music is a big thing. Yeah. And I know that is for you because we'll go home and Lindsay's like, I have to do this. And she'll just march upstairs and all of a sudden it will be like a techno rave coming from the upstairs. <laughs> it's either a techno rave or a new age Which is funny. ambiance yeah. moment. And then last night I had a techno rave at like midnight on yeah, a Saturday. Yeah. And then Lindsay sent me a text message and she from was upstairs. like from upstairs and she's like, why are you listening to that so loud? <laughs> and I was like, what? It's midnight on a Saturday. This is like if you were in a dorm, there's like a... A techno rave that, happening. Well, no, there's a curfew that it's at like two or something like that. So I was like, I am within my yeah. bounds. Well, I was crabby and yeah, Lindsay was pretty bed. crabby after her long day. But long um, day. music is one thing. For instance, the D and D thing. I also had a long day. Not, I didn't have as many meetings as you, but I was doing projects all day or whatever. Um, and I think like we ordered a pizza and stuff like that and i think that goes a long way oh yeah if Food you're gonna have like deal. a game day or something like set that it up like having that. snacks or like ordering out for something for some reason just like sets the mood like if you're gonna have people over for a movie night it feels all right but it feels a lot better once you order pizza or maybe because it's formalized like, and you're like this is what we do and here now are you're the like, steps that we take for this moment yeah and now you're like chill out time with pizza guy although last yeah. night's pizza guy was not chill oh he was mad he was mad. Oh, yeah, no, but be... it's okay. That was my also, fault. Also, those the people that we were with, I think they're people that we don't see frequently. They're our friends, but we don't get to see them every day, and that was that usually triggers for me. If the if and if they're in a good mood, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna talk to you guys because yeah, like that always. Helps. And that is the big thing too. The mood of the people around you is a big thing. So if you are going to work on something. Right. Um, sometimes you probably feel stress working around the gallery because if I have deadlines and Francesca has deadlines and Jenny has deadlines and everyone is coming to you and being like cranky or just worried or flustered or whatever, it's probably hard for anybody to focus on what they need to do if you I also guess have on to the worry flip about side, what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And when I go to class and everybody is like excited and eating pie and like having a good time and they all love each other, then I'm like, this is the best. And then I feel like I just want to sit down and make stuff with them like at that moment. It's, I mean, that does a lot, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. But do you think that also they don't because they're like, we're having a party. Let's not no, work on anything. No, those guys are great. Like I, I know, it, I mean, every group is totally different and every circumstance is different. Every day is different. And so some days, yeah, people I'm sure would rather like scroll through Tumblr than research some, you know, cultural something, something for well, a project. They probably are doing that on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're doing both, you know. Um, but for the most part, I think it and actually one of my students did say this the other day he said it helps to come into class and see a bunch of really like serious people because Mm -hmm. it makes you want to work harder Mm -hmm. yeah and i totally agree like some some classes that i have i 
feel like I should be doing way more when I get home, you know, or I'll be like, man, all I want to do is just sit down and do the same project you guys are doing right this second. Yeah. And working with other people, if they're on the same page as you is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a lot of times we go to coffee houses and stuff like that. Um, On the weekends, we'll go to like Verdant Tea or something and I'll work on one thing and Lindsay will work on another thing. And usually that goes pretty well. Sometimes Francesco will want to come. Mm-hmm. And that usually goes just fine because Francesca is kind of on the same page. But that sometimes, usually goes just fine. <laughs> sometimes I'm a terror. Well, sometimes, You're well, sometimes I might be the one because I am kind of working on something, but I'd rather be playing Agricola, which they have at Verdanty, sitting in the corner. Oh, and so then you can see it. Francesca comes, and then I'm like, oh, here's somebody who could play Agricola with me. And since I don't do anything ever, Chris is like, Lindsay well, Lindsay's lost yeah, cause. Lindsay's a lost cause. So, um, <laughs> but sometimes other people, like for instance, maybe our friend. Ryan will come and he might want to work on things. Well, he probably doesn't. I mean, I feel like most people don't just want to go and work on stuff on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unless you're like a crazy, like actually, I feel like most people do. Do they? Oh, I don't know. I mean, not most people in the world, but most of our friends do. Maybe as we get older, less and less want to. But I mean, that used to be the only, that used to be like the one single way we would socialize with pretty much anybody. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm working. Are you working? Let's work together. And if you wanted to be a friend, then you would just have to work on things all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I was actually talking to our friend Chris Jones about this because he went on a trip to Wisconsin. Yeah. And um, it was like kind of a camping, not like rustic camping, but they were staying with some friends and they were having bonfires and stuff like that. That sounds good. And all he... thought about and i probably shouldn't out chris on this podcast but he was thinking about how he wished he was there with us or something because he just wanted to sit around and draw and not talk and not you know participate in all these activities he just wanted to be out in the wilderness drawing Mm -hmm. and like when we and i and i think i was also talking about when we went to i was recommending places to go we went to what is that lake saint maria yeah uh lake maria lake maria state park or or whatever and we just went there and we got in a boat and then Lindsay just started drawing and I was taking photos and then we ignored each other and just did. I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> did our whole thing. but like, but it's like, that's serenity, like what we want to yeah. do. It's not like we were ignoring each other. It's like, we both just wanted to go out and make things in instead of being like, let's paddle all the way across this thing and get really tired and then paddle all the way back in yeah. 15 minutes. So go. I think, <laughs> you know, but so I'm saying there are people who like doing artistic things around each other is a form of social interaction and it's not even though you're not necessarily it's kind of like watching a movie with somebody where you're like what you're like you you haven't seen somebody in a long time and they're like let's go see a movie together and you're like okay well we could but then we'll be sitting silently i was actually just talking about that yeah (laughs) (laughs) sitting silently next to somebody like i mean after the fact you can go out and stuff like that but if, if if it's one of those things where and we did this more in the past where we would go to a movie Everyone would meet at the movie theater. We'd see a movie, and then everyone would go home mm-hmm. or out to and eat. And it's kind of like, why did we even go to this together? Because we yeah, out to eat, you could talk about the movie, and right? Then you're, you know, yeah. any of your conversation. But I understand what you're saying too. Well, it's interesting that you that you brought up the like what you know, like what kind of a mood or what kind of a setting you actually want to put yourself into. I know sometimes you don't have a choice either. Mm-hmm. You know, like in Chris's case if everybody else is like fishing or something like that, I mean, you could pull out your sketchbook and just do it and then not worry if people are going to be like, what's wrong? What's Mm -hmm. going on? Are you, you don't like fishing? You don't want to fish, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But 
I also know too that there'd be probably some pressure if it was me. I'd I'd probably feel bad and put my sketchbook away, and then mm-hmm. you know that's how I'm too. I have to like look everyone in their eyeballs, so I have a hard time <laughs> when we're like out to eat or something sketching. Yeah. you don't have a hard time with directly. that. I don't, but I feel like I haven't been doing it as much, and I actually feel reverse guilt where I'd rather I wish I was sketching because it never used to be a problem, and now I feel other guilt. But but this is the other thing, like. And I was talking with Chris about the movies thing. And I have, there's friends again that I don't see. I see them like once every couple of weeks or something like that. And when we text each other and we're like, hey, what do you want to do? I'm usually like, let's just go to coffee because I just want to talk to you for two hours. Yeah. And that is great. And then usually I don't draw during that, that time because for some reason it's not as important. But I do really like just hanging out and drawing. I am spoiled and I make sure that I do that every day anyway now. So I guess I don't like end up pulling it out as much when I'm like hanging out or whatever. That's probably a good idea though, because I feel like most people want to be there to talk to you. And well, I think it depends on the circumstances. Like in that case of you guys going out to the lake, I think that sounds awesome. Like that's probably what I would want to do. Well, I feel like that, that too Why wouldn't you? If everybody's doing it, then if if you're out the lake, yeah. And everyone's like, let's go fishing. And you're like, no, that's even, even if you, I mean, I feel even if people did want to do other things, I don't think it's out of in a in a camping situation. I don't think it's out of the yeah. realm of possibility to just be like, well, I'm going to sit here and draw or plain air paint or something like that. Yeah, um, it's kind of how like our our Iceland trip went. Is people were free to walk around together and explore, but other people just sat down and plopped down and started drawing. So, and maybe how that works too is that. You know, in the beginning of a situation like that, we're just like, hey, we have this much time. Feel free to do whatever it is that your heart desires. And that's kind of like a nice, you know, way to set it up so you don't have to feel bad if you just want to sit and meditate and stare at the ocean. Or if you want to like, you know, take a walk by yourself. Or if you want to sit and throw rocks at each other, which is, you know, in a fun way and not a painful way. (laughs) I I think it is beneficial though to become, and this is part of why I feel guilty about not pulling out the sketchbook as much is because it, I remember having those times at MCAD where even hanging out with people and they'd be like, I'm not inspired. I feel like I can't do it. And then you have that brief moment and then you're like, okay, I need to just suck it up and do this because it's not going to get done. And I think being able to like just work anywhere to like suddenly pull out your sketchbook and start drawing sort of builds that ability, you know, because you don't feel the guilt and you, you're, you can quash the like the weird like tendency to be like, I can't do this cause I don't have my right pen, you know, like you you just do it. So you don't need to get into the mo the mood. Whereas now it's much harder for me to be like, and my chair is uncomfortable. And, 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 and I don't know? think usually if I have a have a difference between and I did it last night and I did it last night and you know what I I I pulled out my sketchbook and I started making a watercolor painting in the middle of D and D because I was in a bad mood and I don't I, know that seemed like a normal thing to do. No, I felt incredibly rude while I was doing it. I felt like a huge jerk and I felt and like I was. I don't care. But I, but I, well, maybe I, I mean, I was like, I am doing the opposite of what I should be doing. I should be engaging in this conversation with these people that are sitting here instead of like drowning my face in my book and just oh. ignoring everything. Well, I mean, I just thought it was like you're just drawing for fun. I don't think I didn't read it as a rude thing. Okay, well, I don't know, and maybe that's just a difference. But and I think too, I know half of my my attitude last night probably could have been solved by 
any number of mood setting situations like i had overeaten before i did that I well you, you tried know. to turn on music and you couldn't figure out i the couldn't stereo. figure out how to how to figure out my <laughs> Lindsay just got really angry there were like it. five million remote controls and i was confused and i couldn't figure out how to connect my computer to the tv and all this so yeah and i was like ah so i was setting myself up for failure but um besides that I think, you know, just in general, as I'm thinking about the season and especially like the transition from fall to winter, um, I have one more thing that's off topic of, of drawing and getting in the mood for working and more just in the, the idea of transition and trying to set yourself up for transitioning. We've been talking a lot about, and this will be a quick one, this will be a little quick conversation, um, the transition too between getting from here to the holidays, like getting ready for the holidays, like psyching yourself up for all the family time, like getting all sorts of present stuff for people. Like I really look forward to that. And I know that some people make fun of the fact that there's already Christmas stuff in the stores like two months ago. But every time I see it, it just boosts my my like happiness level by one point. And so every time I see it again, I'm like even happier and even happier. Mm-hmm. But it's funny to think that far ahead and to be like, when this holiday happens, I am ready to bake some cookies. I am going to make time for getting into weird holiday singing spirit, and I'm going to put all the, the Christmas songs on and do do whatever. Like, do you do you feel like that's something too? That even just seasonally, you look forward to the the transition of that and like getting in the mood for the next change. Like, you you don't like winter, but you like Christmas, right? Yeah, or like I, family I time used or... to be like, man, when I was a kid, I obsessed about Christmas like the entire year. I think I'm getting more like that now I'm than I was. I'm doing reverse, <laughs> but I still like, I'm looking forward to seeing my family. I do miss my family a lot. And do I you like prep family. for it? Do you, you... I buy them presents. Oh yeah, that's it's, normal. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we talk about this like every year, like the gift give, uh, giving season stresses me out a lot, but... Does, oh. It's the best. It is the best. Like I, I like giving buy gifts. I always right feel it. It makes me feel really inadequate. I hate. I hate doing it. Um. I. Well, what about you? I mean, you're setting all these plans with your family right now, and like. Yeah, you I'm know. planning for it, but that's more. I I like the holidays fine. You like fine. <laughs> I like them fine. You like they are passable. I well, what I don't like though is, well, I don't. What I don't like, I guess, is when a holiday sneaks up on you because then it feels like not a holiday right if you've ever been like oh yeah today is fourth of july we were so busy that we forgot today's fourth of july and everyone's doing fireworks and stuff and you're kind of out of loop and you're like i guess we should probably go to fireworks but because it caught up it kind of like snuck up on you you're like i don't know i haven't like prepped myself for this and and the same thing sometimes happens with like thanksgiving or sometimes Mm -hmm. happens with um you know usually not christmas because it's hard to not see things about all the time yeah. Well, or even Halloween sometimes. You're like, oh, yeah, trick-or-treaters are going to be coming tonight. Yeah. Aww. Well, all the holidays, and maybe this is why you feel this way, it's not just about, like, that one day. It's, like, the entire month or something yeah. where you're prepping for it. Valentine's like Day does a that part a lot, of it. Oh, see, Valentine's Day is, like, on my, like, low end of the spectrum. And really? I'm not a fan of Thanksgiving. No, I'm saying that it sneaks up oh, on me all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Valentine's Day. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, so that one does sneak up on you. But I think that's why that happens is because, like... Christmas is not just like Christmas Day, but it's like all the prep up until then. It's like then. a month of Christmas. And I love it. This is like the best time of the year where you're just like doing all this stuff. 
yeah decorating and doing whatever and baking cookies and stuff this is the best time yeah. it is it's except so for good, nobody yeah. wants to eat cookies we're all like, we should never bring cookies in here. And then <gasps> like, hey, I made cookies like last a night. Forty-pound bag of M and M's. That's why it's good that Lindsay has school because she just cooks uh, eight pounds of cookies and then just gives them to her class and they all eat them up. Yeah, and, uh, they do. She gets the I... joy of baking and the joy of watching not them eat to my eat weird them. cookies. <laughs> it's really awesome. And they're like, "What flavor is this?" And she's like, "Cat hair surprise." <laughs> Cat hair surprise. <laughs> That's not what it is. Oh, they're all listening and they're probably like, "What's going on?" But. I do think it, it does help to kind of get in the mood to even even just for all of those types of things. So anyway, that that ends our fantastic uh, conversation today about that. I think it's just interesting to think about what gets you in the mood to do what types of things. Um, we're going to put a couple uh, podcast notes on there, too. So if anybody wants to tell us what gets them in the mood in any fashion, maybe it'll fuel my great personality dating sims yeah, I moments. Ooh, I don't know Ooh. what we're opening. These are like... Dear like letters, yeah. Yeah, okay, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> so, where can they find us? Chris? Well, if you want to send any scantilating stories, yes, some. I don't know what the word sexy is emails to like Ray Art Lab. You can email us at podcast at likerayartlab.com. You can find us on Twitter. We're at like Ray Art Lab. You can like us on Facebook and stay up to date with all our shows and events there. You can follow us on Tumblr at likegrayartgallery.tumblr.com you can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes music store or stream it directly on Stitcher Radio awesome and then don't forget to come to our Fright Night game night here on the 29th whoa yeah uh, don't forget is that that's next next week that's Wednesday so get ready for that all the information again is on the Facebook page and so you guys can find out all that stuff and more and we should be launching a couple new calls for it pretty soon so thanks again for listening and we'll talk with you soon Here's what we can do. Let's have our own little murder mystery. No. We will recount Jenny finding the thing, and then we'll go with the portable recorder and dig it up in person. (laughs) What if it's a body? Also, then we'll have a good show. (laughs) I feel like.